Hasn't God been good to you? Hasn't God been good to you? Amen. Yeah, he has. He gave you life this morning, hasn't he? God gave you breath. He's given you life. He could have snuffed you out in your sleep. But he didn't, did he? Amen. God's been good all the time. So we are going to have kids' church. And not yet. Not yet. But let me tell you, you kids got to be good for grandma back there, all you boys. You got it? And grandma might need a helper, so pick your helper. Prayer meeting Wednesday. Amen? Prayer meeting Wednesday. And I'd like to thank all the helpers we had last night to help decorate the church. Looking beautiful. We got pictures up. We got lights on. We got garland up, trees up. And practice the skit for the Christmas Eve service. So don't forget we're having a Christmas Eve service. So invite all your friends and family. We're going to have snacks, cocoa, and coffee. Okay? Amen? All right. So... Before Christmas? So we might be doing the skit the Sunday before Christmas Eve, too. For the kids, the little little play they're doing. All right, all right. I need my I need grace. I need grace to abound even more. That means you got to jump. You got to abound. You got to abound. There you go. Thank you, Lord. Let's take up an offering. Amen. Father, I thank you, Lord, and praise you, Lord God, for this day. I thank you for all of the kids that are here. I pray that you would bless them and speak to them. I pray, Lord God, that you would minister to them, Lord God, and I pray for all the adults, Lord God, who need to become like these little children, Lord God. I pray that you would bless them, that, Lord, you would open up your heart, open up their hearts to receive, Lord God, your message today. I pray also for their tithes and their offerings. Lord, we're giving into your kingdom where a rust and moth will not devour. And, Lord, I just praise you and thank you for all the blessings you've brought to us all the blessings we have, and we're just so thankful to you, Lord God. I give you all the praise and honor and glory for this day and for this service. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to be talking to you today about angels, just so you know, about angels. So... No, go ahead. If you have something planned, go ahead and take them. Yes. Kids can be dismissed. My wife can be dismissed. Oh, my word. Dismissed. All right. We have to make room over here because we got decorating. So that's why the pulpit's over here. Amen? Praise you, Lord. 
Well, as you can see, last night we had all of our grandchildren over. Yep. And they're thankful that they're still alive. (laughs) All of them. But they were all really good. We had them upstairs. We had them downstairs. They were like locusts everywhere. (laughs) No, just kidding. But this morning, God led me to a scripture in Matthew 18. And I'm going to share it to you, read it to you. In Matthew chapter 18, we're going to read verses 1 through 14. Everybody there? At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth. Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Let me, let me, I wanted to, I wanted to get you to picture this in your mind. You know, Jesus was reclining, sitting down, oh, like this when the disciples came up to him and they asked him, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? What did Jesus do? He ushered in a little child to come over and sit on his knee. How many times have you had your kids on your knee or your grandkids on your knee? You know, on your lap. And do they have all the cares of the world that we have? Absolutely not. Do they believe every word you say? Absolutely. Absolutely. Until we become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is, the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. But if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. That's a pretty harsh punishment, isn't it, for harming children? That are innocent. That don't know the difference, that don't know what sin is, really is. You know, you can ask your kids when they come home on the bus, and Jordan shared, I'm not going to tell you what it was, but he shared a little incident with me with Jackson. And and he asked Jack, do you know what you're even doing or saying? And Jack's like, no, no, because they don't know. They don't have a concept of it. In their mind. It says woe to the world. Because of the things that cause people to sin. Think about that. Woe to the world. I don't know about you, but when you read the book of Revelations and you hear the words woe, woe, woe. Not good. You know, woe to the inhabitants of the earth. 
Woe! Never good. It's not a good thing. Woe to the world because of the things, of the things that, that causes people to sin. Such things must come, but woe to the man through whom they come. If your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than to save two hands or two feet and be thrown into the eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. See that you do not look down on one of these little ones. He goes back to the children. Don't look down upon these little ones because they're little. These little ones are greater than us. (laughs) In a way. Because of their blamelessness. Because of their purity. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. Think about that. Their angels in heaven, their angels, every child. Think about how many people are on the earth. Billions of people, right? Are on the face of the earth. Billions of people. Think about that. Our national debt is more than the people on the earth. (laughs) That's in the trillions. But we're talking about billions of people. That means that there's got to be a whole lot of angels in heaven. That every child has an angel. And every angel sees the face of God, sees the face of the Father. That's what he just said in the Bible. That's exactly what Jesus just said. Every angel, their angels in heaven always, always, always see the face of the Father in heaven. What do you think if a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away? Will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any one of these little ones should be lost. That not one of these little ones should not be lost. Think about this. Your father in heaven, who knew you before you were even formed in your mother's womb, assigned you an angel so that you would not get lost or wander off. Think about that. Every one of us has an angel. And every one of us, that angel sees the face of the father always. And I've heard, it, I've heard it many times say that all children get an angel assigned to them when they're born. 
And this scripture in Matthew 18.10 just confirms it. Not only do we get an angel at birth to watch over us, I wrote a little note here. That means that last night in our house, when we had nine of our grandchildren, that we had nine angels in our house. I'm going to get to that. (laughs) I was getting to that. She's jumping the gun. But if you think about that, besides the kids, we had nine angels in our house besides the kids. And if you believe the word of God, those angels always see the face of the Father. Think about that. Think about how holy that was. Think about it. You can't go to see the face of the Father just flippantly. You can't just walk into the Holy of Holies and be like, you got to be prepared in your heart. Look at what happened to the priest in the old temple. They used to tie a bell on their heel on a rope. And they, the high priest every year would have to go into the tabernacle, into the Holy of Holies, and you'd have to make atonement for the whole tribe of Israel. Right? And they'd have to walk in there. And they knew if the bell was still ringing, then they were still walking. But if the bell wasn't ringing, they were dead. And they'd have to drag them out. Thank God for Jesus, amen? Because I know what a lot of you are thinking. Thank God for Jesus. But think about it. You still, you don't just go to God without preparing your heart. You want to go in front of God with a prepared heart. In the right mind. With the right attitude. I mean, I have to admit, I had a wrong attitude not too long ago up here on worship when my guitar was out of whack. Again. And I had to put it down. And I'm like, and my wife said, just go down and sing with the kids. And I was like, you know what? Praise God, I did. Praise God, I did. Because you know what? I got to get my eyes off myself. And I got to get my eyes on Jesus. Amen? But I was thinking, wow, 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 how powerful it was. That we've had nine angels in our house besides the two, Julie and I, that are with us. Because I believe, because when God signs you an angel... He assigns you an angel for life. It's not just a short-term sentence for an angel. Oh, you know, you stay with them until they're born, and when they get bigger, you can leave. No, you get assigned an angel for life. For always. Just because you get older doesn't mean that there's not angels watching out over you. Thank God there's angels watching out over you. As you grow up and get older, that your angel leaves? No. On the contrary, your angel is with you always. You know, they're called guardian angels. They're called ministering spirits in the Bible. And I want to tell you, if it wasn't for an angel, I wouldn't probably be here today. I tell you what, if it wasn't for a ministering angel or a guardian angel, most of us wouldn't be here today. Because I just look at the things that I've been through in my life. 
I've been run over by a farm tractor with both tires as a kid. Even the rear tire had chains on it. And you know, the rear tire went from the top of my knees to my chest. Ran me completely over. The front little tire in the front, the skinny little one, and then the back tire. Ran me completely over. I got up and started walking to the house after it happened. And I passed out cold and woke up in the hospital. And you know, I woke up in the hospital... I had all these little dimple marks all over my body, from the top of my knees to my chest, from the chains. When the chains come and they get pinched together, they pinched your flesh. So I had all these little dimple marks, like little bruises where the chains pinched, all over me. And if that's not a miracle, I didn't even break a bone when I got ran over by that farm truck. I didn't even break a bone. I spent four days in the hospital. The doctor said that he might not be able to run well. His legs might give out on him. As a kid. I tell you what, I had no internal bleeding. All I did was push my stomach up into my diaphragm. And all I did was they exercised and they kind of massaged my stomach back down into place. And my uncle, I remember my uncle Les bought me a pair of sneakers he asked me what I want. I said, I want a pair of sneakers because when I get out of here, I'm going to run. I'm going to run. I was a little guy. I was a little tight. And I ran and I ran and I ran. And you know what? My legs did give out on me at first. My knees did give out. And you know, I tell you what, when you're running full speed and your knee gives out on you, it's no fun. <laughs> you go down in a heap. But then you get back up and you run some more. And you don't quit because when you're a little kid, you don't think about it. But I tell you what, Satan had a plan to destroy me then as a little kid. But I had a guardian angel that said, no. I spent more time in the emergency room almost every summer vacation than probably most of us. I can't remember a year that I did not go to the emergency room for stitches. Or something. I mean, I was a true blue, 100% red-blooded country boy. I was climbing trees, running through woods. I was riding motorcycles, mini bikes. I was doing all kinds of things. And if it wasn't for my guardian angel, the devil would have tried to take me out many of those times. I got scars, bruises, marks on my body all over from the top of my head where I jumped off a bridge and hit a pylon. And I tell you what, that didn't feel too good either. My parents were on vacation in California when they got the call, um, we need to stitch your son up because uh, he's got some, he hit a pylon, jumping off a bridge swimming, and he needs to get stitches. I had, they had to call my parents, and I was like, no, don't call them, don't call them. I'm going to get in big trouble. Don't call them. But yeah, crazy things, stupid things. But thank God I've had never had a broken bone in my body. I've had concussions. I remember one time coming down behind the Vestal High School, coming off of the hill, 
up there. I think it was Meeker Hill, one of the one of the hills, you know, the big hill up there on 26. One of them roads that comes down. You can come flying down on a bicycle with my brother. And I hit a car head on right there in Auto Magic Car Wash. Broke the handlebars off the bicycle. They were still in my hand. Bent the whole front of the bike up. Took the forks off the thing. I flew over the car. My brother said, you look like Superman with handlebars in your hand. Flying over the car. Hit the auto magic car wash with a big old concussion and a big old size egg on my head. It looked like I had a softball up there. I swear to God, it looked like I had a softball. Road rash. That's why I still got pavement in my ear. I got pavement embedded in my ear from that one. Thank God. I couldn't believe the people in the car. They were two old folks. They must have been scared half to death. I was flying on that bicycle coming down that hill. Flying. Just literally flying. If it wasn't for a guardian angel, I could have been dead then. I don't know how many times I could have been dead. And it should have been dead. So do I believe in guardian angels? Yes, absolutely, 100%. And you should too. I tell you what, I kept my guardian angel on his toes. I kept him on his toes. I kept him busy. He didn't have time to lay around. Lollygagging. I kept that man busy. Kept that angel busy. I must have, I wrote down, I must have wore my angel out. You know, and as I got older, and I, get in, I got into drugs, and alcoholism, and all that stuff, I just think of all the times there that Satan could have snuffed me out. But my guardian angel watched over me Amen. and took care of me. Amen. Through all those hard times in my life, I had an angel, a ministering spirit, right there beside me. Even though I might not have believed it. Because even though my eyes don't see in the supernatural, in the spiritual realm, like God's eyes do, or like angels' eyes do, I pray that someday that I can have my eyes open before I pass. And I can see the spiritual realm. It would be amazing. Because I'm going to tell you, there's a spiritual realm out there. There are forces of good and there are forces of evil. And there, it's real. It's real. You don't have to go watching no paranormal things. You don't have to go looking for ghosts. You don't. It's real. And if you want to learn all about it, it's right here. It's called the Bible. You just read your Bible. It'll talk about the spiritual forces of evil that are out there against you. And it'll talk about the spiritual forces of good that are there to protect you and watch over you and to keep you. When I go to heaven, one of the things I want to see is my guardian angel. I wrote down here, I want to see my guardian angel. I want to see the one that watched over me, that was assigned me. And I want to give him a great big hug and thank him. Thank him for all he's done. 
It's an angel. I'm not going to worship him, but I'm going to thank him. Because I'm telling you why, he's worked. He's earned his keep. I'm going to apologize for all the trouble that I caused him. Because I probably caused him some trouble. I mean, think. look at your lives. Look at some of your lives. Look at how far you've come already. Look at the obstacles that were up against you that, over, that you overcame. Look at the miracles where God's delivered you and healed you and saved you and protected you. You can read about these miracles over and over again, over and over again. Do you know our angels don't only, not only watch over us? Our angels don't only watch over us, but they fight for us. They're constantly fighting off the attacks of Satan. Our angels are constantly fighting off Satan and his assignment over your life. You know, I, I got out the other day, well, it was probably a few months ago, this summer I think, I got out my family crest or shield. You know what's so cool about it? On our family shield, on the mixed family shield, is the Archangel Michael. You know who our Archangel Michael is? He's the warring angel. And on it, he's got a sword and he's got a serpent by, the, by, the, by his heel. That's such a cool crest to have. I want to get it, I'm going to get it and get it made. Actually make it and get it all colored in with the colors. Because it tells you all the colors right there in my family tree. But you know, in Daniel, chapter 10, verses 12 through 13. Our angels fight for us. Daniel chapter 10, verses 12 through 14. This is when Daniel had the vision of the man by the river. And he was praying about it. And he said, an angel said to Daniel, then he continued, Daniel, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come in response to them. But the prince of Persia, prince of the Persian kingdom, resisted me 21 days. Well, who's the prince of the Persian kingdom? The devil, Satan, demonic stronghold over that city. Right? Do you know that not only do you get an angel for you, but there are nations that have angels over them that watch over the nation. We have an angel over our nation. Israel has an angel over its nation. It's called the Archangel Michael. He's over the Israelites. He watches over them. The nation. It says, I have come in response to them, but the prince of Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief 
princes came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Your angels fight for you. They fight for you. We have angels that are concerned for us. Our angels, not only are they concerned and watch over us, they fight against the devil, they fight against his demons, they fight against the snares that he puts out there in front of us, the devil does. And I want to read to you Psalms 91. I love this psalm. A lot of you probably know this psalms. Psalms 91. Psalms 91 says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare. And under his wings you will find a pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers. And under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. That sounds like the work of the devil against you, doesn't it? That sounds like the snare, the fowler snare. Who's the fowler? The devil's the fowler. And he wants to snare you and snag you up. He goes around prowling around like a lion, it says in the Bible, looking for someone to devour. Looking for someone who's been in that snare. You know, any, you know, I'm not a trapper. But you know, they make snares all the time to catch rabbits in small game. Right? And a lot of times, it's with a wire. And they find a path. Right? Where that animal, that critter's been going back and forth. So they'll put a snare in there. And they'll catch it. It just made me think of, that's exactly how the devil works. You know, that little critter goes on that path every day, back and forth. Never even sees the snare there, because it's it's a fine little wire. Every day, we get in a routine, we go back and forth, do the same thing. And just like a little rabbit gets caught in, all of a sudden, one day, there's a snare there. Well, how did that get placed there? The devil does the same for our lives. You know, we get doing the same thing day in, day out, day in, day out. And he'll put a snare in there one of these days. And you won't even realize it's there until you're caught. 
There's a snare there. But our angels guard us over that snare. They watch over us. They keep us. And it's even greater if if you make God our dwelling place and our shelter. Because then it says that he will cover you with his feathers. Under his wings. Whose wings? God's wings. Will you find refuge? He said, you will not fear the terror that, that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness. You don't have to fear any of those things. You don't have to fear plague. You don't have to worry about evilness that goes on at night. You don't have to worry about the arrow that flies by day. Nothing. A matter of fact, a thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If, listen, there's a big if here. If you make the Most High your dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you. So let me ask you, why? I asked this to my wife earlier this week when we were talking about the scriptures. You know, God has got all these blessings for us. Right? God says, above all things, beloved, I wish that you would prosper and be in good health. God, I wish that you would just, you know, I've got all this stuff for you. I've got all these great things for you. I don't wish any harm on a single one of you. So I asked my wife, I said, so why? Three little word, three little letters, W-H-Y. <laughs> why do we go astray? If God's got all this stuff for us, then why are we doing all these things that are against him and sinning? Why? When God promises the cattle on a thousand hills, When God promises a mansion and kingdom, why is my heart hardened toward him? Why am I stubborn and act the way I act? Why? Why? It's even more. It's it's even more than trust, not trusting him. It's, It's having a stubborn heart. A hardened heart. I said, you know, why do I do the things I do every day? I know, why do I worry? Why do I fret when God says, don't worry? I got you in the palm of my hand. Why? Because I don't have faith. I'm not trusting. I'm not being obedient. I know what good I should do, but instead I do evil like the Apostle Paul said. And I have to ask myself, why? Why? So I'm throwing that out there to you guys. Why? Why do we make other things more important than God? When God says, if you make the Most High your dwelling, the Lord, even the Lord, who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you. Why can't we just believe that and live that? Why? 
Why do we have to believe all these other things? You know, this Bible is the oldest book in the world. It's like, it's been, it's been written, it's over 6,000 years old. Think about that. The Bible is 6,000 years old. 6,000 years old. And people still don't believe it. And it's still that important for today. The words that it says, you know why? Because this Bible is alive. This Bible is alive. That's why everything in it, it amazes me. I read this stuff that was written by King David almost three, 4,000 years ago. And it's still pertinent. It still, it still applies. I can still, I can still make it apply to my life. Why? Why don't I believe in guardian angels? Why don't I start living like I believe it more? I know there's guardian angels, but like even in my youth, in my younger age, I didn't even think about them. I didn't care about them. I didn't think about it. I just went and lived my life like every day was great. I was going to do something new, but I didn't even take to ponder or think about it. And I ask myself, why? Why do I have to be stubborn about it? Why do I have to why do I have to let the world dictate to me on what is right and what is wrong? And I'm gonna tell you, the world's gonna tell you things that make sound good, that might make you feel good, right? That might sound like it's a great thing at the time, but it's really not. Oh, it might feel good for a little while. But it's going to get me into sin. Why? Why don't I just believe God's word and start living it? Like like it says. Why don't I believe this? If I make God the most high in my dwelling, the Lord, who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent. I think we all want that in our lives. Nobody wants to be harmed. Nobody wants disaster to come near your tent or your house. You know? I don't want somebody to come up to me and bully me around and, and hurt me. Or harm me or harm mine. Or my family, my children, my grandchildren. I don't want none of that. At all. For it says here. That for he will command his angels. If we make God the most high, that's just saying the God of God, there's no other God above God. You know, there, there's only one God that created creation. There's only one God that can give you life. There's only one God that created you individually. There's only one God that knew you before you were in your mother's womb. There's only one God that ever said, let there be light. And there was light. For if we make God our dwelling. In other words, if we say, Jesus, come into my heart. Here I am. I want to be a vessel for you. I want you to dwell with me. And I want to dwell with you. If we say, Jesus, 
I want to dwell with you all the days of my life. I don't want to be apart from you. I don't never want to be apart from you. You made a way in this life of mine where there was no way. You saved me when there was no saving to me. You watched over me. You sent your angels concerning me to guard me and to keep me all the days of my life. You've lifted me from the pit. And if I make you my dwelling, and if I make my dwelling with you, meaning if that's where my treasure is, there my heart is, if I make my dwelling with you, God, then you're going to command angels who are concerned for me to guard me in all my ways. Not only will they guard you, in other words, if I say, God, here I am, I want to dwell with you and you with me, then all of a sudden, I've got angels guarding me all around me. i got a guard. i got a secret service <laughs> that's greater than any president can ever have. Because I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible and I start reading about angels and what angels can do, one angel can wipe out hundreds of thousands of people with just a swing of his sword. Angels are powerful. They're strong. They're mighty. And if I got angels guarding me, whoo, who can stand against me? Right? If God is for me, who can be against us? And if God says, hey, I need you to send down, I need to dispatch some troops over here. I need some angels guarding this one. Because he's made my dwelling. He's made his dwelling with me and I'm going to dwell with him. Because that's the promise that Jesus gave us. That's the promise of the word. Pretty awesome. Think about it. Wherever you go, angels go with you. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands. So that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Think about that. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. Do you know when Paul was shipwrecked one time? And he was gathering stuff around. He got bit by a cobra, a poisonous snake. Do you know what Paul did? Shook it off. Shook it off his hand. And then he went about doing his business. Everybody who saw this was waiting for Paul to die. They were, they were amazed. They were like, oh man, he's not going to live. He got bit by a poisonous snake, a cobra. You know, when you get bit by a cobra, King Cobra, you don't have a long time to live. And if you don't get this anti-venom, and they, I'm telling you back then, they didn't have any anti-venom. There was no such thing as an anti-venom. It was a belief and trust in God's word. There was no such thing as Medicaid. It was trusting in God's word. Paul shook off that snake. I want to tell you another story of a great man. I want you boys to look this up. 
because this is a great scripture. I want all of you to look it up. It's called David's Mighty Men. David's Mighty Men. It's in 2 Samuel, verse 23. You need help? He's okay. He's with his mama. 2 Samuel 23. I want to tell you a little story of a man. And I know you boys would like this. There's a man named Benaniah. You know Benaniah? He was considered a mighty man of King David. But he wasn't the top three mighty men. The first mighty man was Joseph Bas, Josephus Bas Hebeth or whatever, Heber. You know what he did? He slew 800 Philistines with a spear. 800 men, one man. 800 to, 800 to one odds. Think about that. He was a mighty man. Eleazar was another mighty man of King David. He routed the Philistines. He said that they stood up against the Philistines and the army flew. But Eleazar did not. He said the sword, his hand froze to the sword. And he slew a great victory. And when the army came back, they were all dead. And all the army had to do was pick up the plunder of Eleazar's victory. One man. Another man was called Shama. Shama again was with the military when the Philistines came down to steal the lentils out of the field. The military left, but Shama stood his ground and routed a great victory. Those were the three mighty men of King David. But there was another mighty man after him. His name was Benaniah. Benaniah. Benaniah defeated two of Moab's best soldiers. And he defeated, defeated a very large man of Egypt. And the large man in Egypt, he went after, he had the large man in Egypt, he was like one of uh, Goliath's brothers, like giants. And his spear was like, they said the spearhead was like that of a weaver's shuttle. And I don't know if you know a weaver's shuttle, but they're pretty big. Heavy. So, but he beat him with a club and took the spear out of the, out of the giant Egyptian man's hand and killed him with his own spear. But you know what? That didn't make Benaniah one of the great exploits that he did. It was on a snowy day. Benaniah chased a lion into a pit. Chased him into a pit and he killed the lion on a snowy day, it says. That's amazing. That's amazing. So you won't have to be afraid. You don't have to worry. Your angels concerning you will guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands. 
only if we make the most high our dwelling. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Do you know they talk about lions? Lions are fearless. You know, lions are fearless. You know what lions do? They don't retreat. Lions, you know, you watch any hunting shows and stuff like that. Lions don't retreat. They're a pretty fearless creature of God. Even they don't, it says in the Bible that the lion is not afraid of the men or the clamor or the gongs. It'll still roar. And I'm telling you, when you're out in the woods, and if you ever heard a lion roar, you would probably shake in your boots. Especially if it was really close. You'd be like, oh my Lord. That's pretty intimidating. I'd be pretty scared. A lion roaring or a bear is one of my biggest fears. I don't want to be eaten alive. So I'm praying that God, my guardian angel, is with me always in the woods. Thank God there's no lions or big bears like that around here. That's all I say. I don't want to push my angel to the limits and test them. But lions aren't afraid. They're not afraid of danger. They're not afraid of men. And it says you will tread upon them. Why? It says right here, I love this, because he loves me, says the Lord. Because he loves me. Why? Why did God love King David so much? Because he loved God with all his heart. Because he loves me. I will rescue him. Because he loves me, I will protect him, for the, he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with a long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Why? Because he loves me. Think about that. Because he loves me. Because he loves me, I'll rescue him. Because he loves me, I'm going to send my angels down to guard over him. And to watch him. You know, God so loves us so much. And I know that he loves me too. That even when I wasn't acknowledging him or knowing him. He sent his angels still to guard over me because he knew me before I was even formed in my mother's womb. He knew that someday I might be a preacher. He knew that someday, you know, I might be able to share the gospel to somebody else or to my grandchildren. He knew that someday somebody might get saved. Because God has a plan. He knew that someday I might be able to speak words of encouragement to someone and help them. And you don't know when you speak life into somebody's life and how that affects them and it can change them. You know, when you tell your kids, you guys are great. 
And every one of them is great, and every one of them had an angel, has an angel. And if that sticks in their mind and they believe it, someday they're going to tell their kids, and then their kids, and then someday, who knows, maybe they'll be out sharing the gospel, doing the good works of God. When they can say, look it, because I love God so much, He's watched over me all my life. He's kept me. He's blessed me. And because I love God, He's protected me. Because I acknowledge Him and acknowledge His name, He will call upon me and I will answer Him. I will be with Him in trouble. So in other words, because you've acknowledged God and believed God, when you call for help, God's not going to say, oh, it's 2 in the morning, I'm not answering that phone. To God, there is no time like that, because God is the creator of time. He's not concerned with time. When you call upon him, it doesn't matter what time it is. You know, if you acknowledge him and you love him with all your heart, he's going to answer you. He's going to answer you. And you know what? If you don't get the answer, it doesn't mean he didn't answer you. That means there's a devil out there that's trying to snare you up. There's a devil out there. There's a prince of Persia out there for everybody that's trying to keep that answer from God getting to you. And just like David, just like Daniel, you've got to be faithful. You've got to stay the course. Because God, you know... There's some defining scriptures in my life that I've taken in. Defining scriptures meaning that they mean a lot to me. No matter how bad things get in my life, I go back to the scripture where it says, God will never fail me or forsake me. And I stand on it and I believe it. And I got it in my heart. And now I'm going to believe, God, you got guardian angels watching over me. That you promised me that would lift me up. You hold God to his word. If you love God, you say, God, this is your word. And God will uphold his word. Because not one bit of his word will fall to the ground. Amen? Amen. Because he knows me, he hears me. And because I know him and love him, he hears me. I just plead that we make God our dwelling place. That's, my great, that's one of my greatest prayers for all of my children and grandchildren. I pray for them every morning. I pray, God, bless them, keep them. Lord God, I pray, Lord God, that you would speak to them and use them mightily for your kingdom. I pray that you would protect them while they're off in school, while they're in colleges, while they're home. That, Lord, your angels would minister to them and keep them safe. I pray every morning over every one of the grand, over every one of you guys out here. Every morning we pray that prayer. I pray that the Lord would bless you and keep you. And it would increase in your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So that's my plea to you guys. That's what I pray, that you would make the Lord your dwelling place. Because there's so many great benefits in making God our dwelling place. 
And I have to ask you, if you're not, then what's that three-letter word? Why? If you're not making God your dwelling place, then why? Why not? When the benefits are so good. (laughs) You know? I got a shirt that Debbie got me, working for God. The benefits are so good or something like that, you know? I got a sweatshirt that says that. It's great. All right. Let's stand for the prayer. For the blessing. Number 6, 24 through 26. Thank you, Lord. Let's all raise our hands. Thank you, Jesus. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace on all sides. And may each one of you be blessed today. May, Lord God, your angels, your ministering angels, Lord God, to each one of them, Lord God, just watch over them, Lord, please. Keep them. Keep them for your day. And I just pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.